0: It. And he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Preachy
1: to Clio.
0: Hey there. Welcome to the Nessun Bruins podcast. I'm Nessun.com's Logan Mullen. Joined once again by Nessun.com's Lauren Campbell and Mike Cole. Guys, what's happening?
1: Same old.
2: Yeah. Life.
0: Life. Uh, life indeed. Uh, life right now feels completely mired in COVID-19 as it's known. Um, it, skyrocketing all over sports altogether, really. But uh, hitting close to home with respect to the uh, local hockey team uh the Bruins have three players we're recording this on Wednesday uh, at 2:40 p.m because who knows this could change at any point by the time you're listening to this uh the Bruins are without Patrice Bergeron Brad Marchand, and Craig Smith uh this comes after the Calgary Flames who the Bruins played Saturday had a bunch of people uh end up in the COVID-19 protocols. I believe now it's 16 players, three coaches, and eight staff members for the Flames. So the Bruins were around a team that is now basically a massive COVID hotspot. Still, though, the Bruins, at least for now, are continuing to play. Uh, They have the New York Islanders scheduled for Thursday and then a back-to-back in Canada Saturday and Sunday between the Canadians and Senators. I guess my first question would be, should they even be playing right now, or is this the time to maybe hit a pause on things?
1: I mean, I think, I mean, it's easy for me to say that there's only three players in COVID protocol right now, but I guess, like, what's their stopping point? Do they have to have 26 players and staff like the Flames do before they hit a pause and postpone a couple of games? Are they really going to go to Canada and risk this potential 14-day quarantine up there with the holidays? A week away um but i guess should they be playing i mean i guess they have enough players to tote out a team but at the same time how long are they going to play until things get a lot worse than what they are right now
2: yeah i don't really know what the plan is otherwise either i think that's the big thing Uh, the looming uh issue or obstacle remains the Olympics. And I think if, if the Olympics didn't exist and if the Olympics weren't still on the table, well, no, cause even then, if you take the Olympics off the table, the schedule is still screwed. So right. I, if this was not an Olympic year, I think this would be an entirely different conversation. Problem is, is like, I, I don't know if it's optics. I don't know if it's just, um, the mechanics of the situation, but if they, if they, you know, bag out a week of the season or something here for like a a league-wide pause uh i don't know when you make it up because you know the they're not going to move it it sounds like they're not going to move it to like that olympic break if even if the olympics fall through so it it just becomes more and more difficult and i also wonder too if a pause of some sorts is is not the best course of action here it it might be un Unavoidable for some teams, and to to Lauren's point, I think I I'm not sure the Bruins are at that point yet. Um, but I think like if you if they were to take a pause, or if anybody were to take a pause, or if it was a league wide stop, w- w- what happens during that league wide stop? Do do players go home and and they hang out with their families? If you know, you can go to the you can go to restaurants in Boston, so you know it's not like. You know, Without stricter guidelines on that sort of thing, I'm not sure how much good it does because I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing a spike in the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL right now two weeks after Thanksgiving. So if you if you pause at all or if you, you postpone games, you're almost asking for more problems just because, I, I don't know, it just feels like you're going to end up hanging out with family or hanging out with friends and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and let yeah, unless you mandate quarantines, right, which, which is, could also be difficult to enforce. Uh, not only that, that, it's hard that to...
2: Association would have a fit about. Yeah, because, like, how can you impose a quarantine when, I mean, I guess it's 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 been done or whatever, but it's just, it seems like a harder sell this far down the COVID road, and again, to, to my other point, like, if, if you live, I mean, there's no state right now that is shut down. Because of this, so it's kind of hard to be like, you guys have to quarantine, even though your state is still open for business or your province,
1: and fully vaccinated,
2: right? That too, yeah, yeah.
0: And and so that's where things are going to get dicey too, is because now it's getting to the point also where you know they're saying that you need booster shots, and it was a massive undertaking to get a lot of hockey players. to get vaccinated to the degree that they did, where Tyler Bertuzzi, as far as we know, is the only NHL player who didn't get vaccinated. But imagine those guys that you had to drag along in the first place. Now you're telling them they basically have to do it again. Uh, you know that sounds like something some guys would be resistant to, which is not going to make this issue any easier at
2: all. When they have mounting evidence, by the way, that like this might not work. Like it's not that it doesn't work, but I think it'd be much. They'd be much. More likely to drag their feet even more when they're like, "Well, we're why are we doing this when we just had a pause because we were sorry to interrupt, but that you know what I mean." I, you're,
0: you're right because I think for a lot of people who are skeptical to a large degree, the fact that these outbreaks are still happening, there's probably a lot of confirmation bias going right. on for those yeah. guys right now, and, and that's just the reality. Um, you know, we can disagree with it as much as we want, but there are many, many people who think that way. So the thing with the Olympic break too is from what I can understand, they can't really schedule a whole lot of games, uh like COVID postponement games, even if players don't go to the Olympics, because arenas have had those three weeks in February earmarked for months, and they've been putting, you know, concerts and Disney on ice in there. And so all of a sudden you're not going to be able to get them to just axe that for a makeup, you know. Ruins canadians game at the Bell Center, um, even if it might be more potentially lucrative. And so, you know, those three weeks, there's either going to be Olympic hockey or there's going to be nothing is what it sure is seeming like. And maybe you fit in a week of rescheduled games or something like that, but it, it doesn't seem like it's as easy as, well, shut things down for a week and then just move the games to when the Olympics are supposed to be. I'm not even sure they're going to the Olympics at this point, uh, but even if they don't, it doesn't seem prudent right now to sort of have those dates in February as, oh, well, there's just this for there.
2: To that point, there are nine in nine the last 11 days in February have something at the Garden right now.
1: And wow. you think forward, if there were to be postponements, especially for the Bruins, their schedule is so log-jammed toward the end of the season, where in the world are you going to put postponed games without overworking them already more than they're going to be from like March to April?
0: Well, and so that's the other problem too, with the way that their schedule started, because when, you know, it was perplexing in the first place, but then you look at it from the standpoint of, well, if the Bruins, if they had sort of front-loaded all these teams' schedules and then they left, because I think last year they left like a week open, basically at the end of the season for this exact situation so that you can start moving games back and they only had to utilize some of those dates, but, and maybe that is the situation again this year, but I mean, the regular season right now is scheduled to end for the Bruins on April 29th. And so I'm not sure if all of a sudden you're going to be able to start making up regular season games all the way into May, because then you're talking about delaying the rest of this season, the rest of the postseason rather, and then next season when they were hoping to be back on track is all of a sudden, you know, push back too, because players don't, especially those who make it to the final don't want to have a six week off season.
2: Yeah. It's, there's no good answers, right? I, it's just, and then I, my, my best guess would be, well, I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause like the more you think I adding it on, I think the only, the only somewhat obtainable justifiable thing is adding on at the end of the year. I think it's, it, you know, <clears throat> cause I mean, the precedent is there and I guess it's easier to move back the draft or free agency or things like that, that are relatively intangible than it is to find arena space. So
1: I'm sure the NHL also doesn't want to continue to play catch up like year after year after having the the pause in 2020 and then the delayed start to the next season. So I don't know. It just seems like it's like a never ending domino that just keeps falling.
0: If I remember correctly, I think I, I have, I don't know why this is popping up in my head. So I'm going to assume that it's true. I remember Bettman sounding very relieved that they were going to be able to get back on track after this season. You've got games starting again, beginning next season, that first week of October, instead of, the weight that a lot of teams have had to do. Ultimately, I mean, this is easy for us to say, but like that feels like a relatively inconsequential thing, right? Pushing everything back two weeks. I know that it goes a little bit deeper than that. Um, But I, my developing theory has been, they're just trying to get to Christmas. They're trying to get to Christmas with as few games um, postponed as possible. And that way, they can have the however long it is, like three days off to kind of regroup. And, you know, that's not going to be enough to help every team on the planet. But, you know, with with respect to the Bruins, you get all three players back uh, that are on the COVID list after Christmas. And so, you know, I think they might just be trying to crawl towards some sort of pause. Uh, but an actual shutdown, as we've kind of alluded to, is going to be immensely complicated for them to pull off on a logistical standpoint.
2: The NHL just announced that the Flames are shut down through Saturday. So,
0: yeah, I'm yeah. thinking it's going to be a little bit longer than Saturday. Yeah, exactly. I don't blame them for not going that right. far out, but I, there's I would be very surprised if they play another game. Well, like
2: it's it feels it like there's it, so. it feels like there's another Flames every day, or you know, it, it, yeah, and you look at the NFL like the Browns thing. This is just – I I don't know. I My my theory is it's – like I said, it's Thanksgiving. But, like, this is a, a wild rash of just outbreaks all of a sudden. Like, it, it there's – there has to be some re- – like, these are not completely out of the blue. So – and that's the thing to, you know, talking about stopping until Christmas. I, sure, if you want to do that. Or stopping it at Christmas. Sure, if you want to do that. Like, I just don't know <laughs> – I I mean, it's like getting a, you know, some, I don't know, something small. <laughs> it's like putting a, a puppy in front of a boulder. Like it's not going to stop it, you know?
0: What a, what a great analogy there. <laughs> I, I, but I get, I get what you're saying. I mean, every, everything at this point, short of a complete shutdown is a drop in the bucket. Right. So like they can do what they want, but it's, this is, apparently the reality right and so now you're probably getting to a point where it's the level of comfort that players have even playing and traveling right now and i guess it's probably a segue right now into what the bruins currently are dealing with but mike go ahead
2: i do have one more thing i was talking to a coworker of ours today and you could probably guess who it was who was asking you know at a certain point like if these guys aren't actually sick can they play through positive tests? And it's actually not a theory that is exclusive to him. I saw a pro football talk was talking about that as well with the NFL, where like if you're asymptomatic and you test positive, should you be able to play? Um, and I, I don't, I, I just got, I, that's, that doesn't feel like that's something that could happen, right? Like not so, and here's my thing, the optics or whatever, like if you want to talk about that, but like if you're a team like the Bruins who are, it looks like you're going to have to play through this at least to, uh, until a certain point without your two best players. And then all of a sudden they, they turn around and change the rules on the, kind of on the fly. That doesn't, you know, why we had to play through, you know, I don't know what, Bergeron or Marchon are going through, but if they're asymptomatic and they, they have to sit no matter what, you can't turn around and change the rules two weeks from now and be like, actually asymptomatic players can play because then you just got screwed for five or six games because your guys tested positive. So
0: I think that's what the Islanders were pissed about because if I remember correctly, when the Senators, who I think were the first team to really have an outbreak, uh, when the Senators had theirs, the NHL came down relatively quick. And put a few games on pause. Uh, the Islanders, they made them play like one or two games with a really, really shallow roster before they finally started postponing games. And I think the Islanders rightfully were pissed that it's like, you know, half of our team is about to go back to Bridgeport when this whole thing is over. So why are we playing these games now that are you know, meaningful regular season NHL games? So I can understand that. I really do think the NHL and you know, really or wrongly, would get hung up on the optics of it because there is just something weird about the concept of sending a player that you know has the virus out there, and and that's again what our players comfortable with. But like Taylor Hall said last night, that from what he knew, Smith and Marshawn both were asymptomatic and felt like they could have played last night if they needed to.
2: Yeah, I. That's that's a good point. Yeah, it's just I, that was an interesting thought, but it's just yeah, the optics for better or worse are probably gonna get in the way of that. So
0: it is one of those things though, where like you know guys used to play through the flu all the time right. and nobody would bat an eye. So it's like at what point do does professional sports decide that COVID is on the same level as the flu in terms of you can play through this um, as long as you're not symptomatic? I don't know. Um, but again, from a public health standpoint, not the, not the finest look, um, but so from the logistical side of things, because this is impacting the Bruins now is the fact that, and this is what the Carolina hurricanes are going through right now, that if you get stuck in Canada and you, if you are in a U.S. based player and you test positive for COVID in Canada, you're stuck there for a couple of weeks and you're not really getting at it. Uh, Sebastian Aho and I believe two others from the Hurricanes currently are stuck in Vancouver. Uh, the Bruins this weekend are supposed to have a back-to-back beginning Saturday against the Canadians, and then they go to Ottawa. Uh, their plan was to leave for Montreal from New York on Thursday after the game. It now sounds like they're staying there into Friday so that if they get a positive test. The player is at least still in New York. But I – to try and frame this as delicately as I can, if I were a player, I would be hugely resistant to trying to get through the Canadian border right now, especially when I know I'm going to have to be there overnight. And if I somehow pop a positive test when other teammates are too, within the last few days, and I'm going to get stuck there over the Christmas holiday, I would not be pleased with that. So, you know, at this point, is it even worth it for them to try and go into Canada?
1: Probably not. I mean, like you said, the holidays are right there. You're risking a two-week quarantine. Some of the players have young kids and obviously families stateside. So it makes you think, like, what – it's two games that they obviously have to play. But if you can kind of finagle around it and maybe reschedule those two games without causing too much of of a disruption – but I just don't think it's worth the risk trying to go into Canada right now when they were just there and look what happened.
2: This is a massive headache in the making when you're talking about because, like, there are far more American teams than Canadian teams. So you could sit here and be like, let's, you know, postpone any intra country, inter country, you know, games, but like, Uh, then what is that you know what do you do like when you're a team you know when Montreal and Toronto are in a division with five other or whatever it is you know American teams you can only play each other so often and like in hindsight I give the NHL credit maybe they you know they obviously didn't have much of a choice but like the Canada only division last year was a, a good idea it worked out and that was the best way through it but you know you can't break that glass now. I don't think there's nothing you can kind of do to to change things around here, um. But yeah, I, there. I, it's not something I would want to do. I would not want to be going to Canada right now, uh, when I'm in a traveling party that just you know three more pro- I mean, positive tests every day or whatever it is. So that's it is a tough one and it kind of speaks to logan's point i guess In terms, well no i guess it's the opposite of that maybe you just shut it down now and say we'll do this through see on january one for the winter classic i don't it's tough
0: yeah i mean it, it is one thing if you don't have cases currently circulating through your team but say the bruins did you know like some players did get it from flames players and now they're getting it from each other like that stuff doesn't often show up a day or two later like there is a distinct possibility that if somebody got a uh, got COVID from Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand it might not show up until Saturday or Sunday when they're already in Canada and that is obviously a problem so you know I, I don't know what all the verbiage is in about players being able to like refuse to travel and stuff like that and kind of I don't know temporarily opt out But I can't imagine anyone's all that comfortable going to
2: Canada. I mean, so you're just doing this for Christmas. Like, I don't want to sound callous. You know what I mean? But, like, that's... What is the difference at the end of the day between December 25th and December 27th? Like, if you get stuck up there for two weeks, you're up there for two weeks. I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. I just think it's, like, it's just... (laughs) I don't know. Are we, are they going to start legislating so people can be home with their families for for holidays? That's yeah.
0: And I think that's a little bit of an overly simplistic take on it because like also look at it through the context of here. I mean, tie it into the Olympics too, right? Because that's a big thing now is that they release the protocols. And if you test positive for COVID at the Olympics, even if you're vaccinated three to five weeks, you're probably going to be there and you're not leaving until Chinese health authorities clear you. So if you're a player over in the Olympics and you test positive towards the end and all of a sudden you're missing five weeks of your team senior, you're basically missing the entire month of March, like you're going to be pissed about that. And not to say certain players, it's okay if they get COVID and others don't, but like, especially if you are an impact player, you're going to be pissed. Your team's going to be pissed if you're stuck in Canada because you had to play a December 19th game against the Senators. Um, because you, they made you go over the border and you tested positive. So I don't know. It this <laughs> these are conversations the three of us have not really had to have in a very long time.
2: Uh, there's not a solution to your problem either. No,
0: there's no. there's not, and that's I think that's the thing to sort of keep in mind. Is people are probably going to say, "Well, why can't you just shut it down?" Which, from a health and safety standpoint, if that is truly what matters most to the NHL. That is probably what they would do. The reality is it's probably not what they care about the most it's the bottom line they're a business at the end of the day and so they all but certainly are gonna try and wait as long as they can before they would have to do something that drastic um, you know the the way I've couched everything that, rightly or wrongly like it just a difference from person to person but it is a very nuanced situation where whatever you do a large section of people are going to be um, do you guys have any other thoughts on COVID? <laughs> no. No. Well, so now that we've done all that meat and potato stuff, let's actually dovetail into some actual Bruins stuff real quick. Uh, they did look fairly good. Um, you know, we haven't uh, – we had meat last week. So Bruins did end up on a five-game point streak, and they finished, I believe it was, what, 3-1-2, and two, something like that under Joe Sacco. Uh, kept their head above water considering they missed Brad Marchand for three games Uh, that Bruce Cassidy wasn't around and then uh, they cap off their Western Canada trip with wins over the Oilers and Flames, two very good teams. The Flames win in particular was a relatively convincing one Uh, and then they come back home uh, they have guys testing positive for COVID it's chaos and they end up getting bushwhacked by the Golden Knights on Tuesday 4-1 to so there's a level of perspective taking that probably has to happen. But as we sit here trying to push aside all the other uh, ancillary factors here, I mean, where, where are you guys standing on the Bruins right now?
1: I mean, I'm still fine. I don't think there's any reason to panic by any means. Bad games are going to happen, especially when you get news that two of your players go on the COVID or go into COVID protocol before and after practice. But I think what we saw last week from the Bruins was certainly encouraging. I still think obviously goaltending is still a big question mark, but it's almost January. So I'm sure two good talks will certainly heat up a lot more, but at the end of the day to go into the Canadian road trip, come out with points and continue your point streak up there before kind of all hell broke loose this week. It's, it's certainly encouraging.
2: It was impressive resolve. I just, was not overly impressed by them, if that makes any sense. Like, it's it never from what I saw. I'm gonna be completely candid. I mean, Western Can- Canada road trips are are tough uh, when you when you work for a living um, in the morning. Uh, but from what I saw, it was you know they they found ways to get it done. And I guess the uh, the encouraging thing in that regard is was it the Calgary game? um i figured it was either calgary or edmonton game where they they finally got some secondary scoring uh they got scoring from the blue line it's uh, a lo uh to lauren's point too like when the goaltending and this is no revelatory statement when the goaltending looks good the rest of the team tends to look pretty good too um which duh but i i do think they kind of feed off of that and i think the efforts look better when they when uh you just swimming or Olmark have have good nights but but my overall point is like i said i i think it's impressive resolve to go out there and and play the way they did without their head coach and then without you know some of their best players um i i just don't i don't know it's points like they banked points that's that's good for them i just there weren't it's, it still doesn't look completely right and maybe that's just the new bruins or whatever but it just I'm still waiting for all to click. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon in part because of the COVID maybe more than anything else, but it's like I said, you can't, I don't think you can be disappointed with the results that they got out there considering everything they had going against them.
0: Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you do just have to tip your cap to them for even getting points out of a lot of these situations. And I think, You know, early on in the season, the Bruins did not feel like a good third period team. Like historically, they have seemed like the type of team where if they go into the third with a lead or they're within a goal, you can generally trust that they're going to find a way to close it out. It feels like this season, later in the game, like no lead was certain and that you didn't always have the belief that if they were within striking distance, they would find a way to come back. To, to the point about the resolve, I would say that's probably the biggest takeaway from all this is that, you know, they still managed to get a point against the Lightning. Uh, the Canucks are, are not agreeing, but they were rejuvenated after the Boudreaux hiring. So, you know, the fact that they got a point from a team that was starting to ramp up momentum is worth something. And then the thing is, too, like they got pummeled by the yeah. Flames a few weeks ago and they did not look great against the Oilers either. Uh, last month. And so the fact that these are teams that we've seen them basically get trounced by this season and that given all the factors that were going on, they still managed to get road wins. These teams was fairly impressive. Now to the goaltending point, that to me only substantiated the case that they should bring Tuka Rask back. If this team's really going to go as much as goaltending will take them, then that's a position they better make sure is buttoned up pretty good and you know the the game against Vegas is kind of a example of when things can go sideways with a young goalie uh, because that was a real when it rains it pours circumstance for him Um, but I just to me it certainly underscores the need to make sure that they have that uh, position taken care of especially because goal scoring has been so challenging for them
1: and Tuca is somebody who steals you games. I think we've talked about this before where we're not really sure if a goalie has really stolen more than one or two games this season for the Bruins, and Tuca's one to do that, and oh, he's continuing to be at at Warrior every day and seems to be really ramping up his workouts, which obviously comes with being later in his rehab, but if you have the opportunity to bring Tuca back to bolster this goaltending, I mean, Don Sweeney's all but said that he's – more than welcome to come back but you have to do that
2: yeah at, at this point whatever i've been i've been beaten over the head of the tuca thing at this point so i i'm in um it's gonna happen it it, it sure feels like uh barring I, I think the only thing that gets in the way now is a medical setback and and the fact that they're using him as the e-bug tells me he's even closer than i, I probably thought because that's basically a shrewd way of getting him to practice with a team um which is a, t- a tip of the cap to the Bruins front office for uh playing that card um but that I, like I said I, that tells me he's getting closer cuz that's I mean that's basically game situations at various points in practice um so it's getting him back into that mix with with the players as well that's uh it was an interesting little development in the last couple of weeks and I think that's the, the surest sign yet. Um, that it's it's gonna happen. and It's gonna happen sooner than later. And to be honest, it makes even more sense with every day that passes when you have no idea what you're gonna have in terms of a roster. I mean, I know he's not gonna be skating on the third line, at least not yet. Uh, but y- you know, you are one positive test away from having your goaltending depth uh, test uh, tested. So,
0: I think it's the Blues that had to play like six goalies this season. And the right. Bruins are very fortunate to have only yeah. needed to play there too. But, like, why so, not have the depth if you have that option? Because, sure they're really. I mean, they've got Grosenick and Kaiser in the AHL. And Grossenick has played in the NHL, but you don't want to run into a situation where Kyle Kaiser, who's in his first full AHL season, is starting NHL games for you.
2: I thought I had, like, a great breakthrough here. and I, It's all the same no matter where you go. I was going to say, well, actually, now I can talk myself into Swayman going back to Providence because it's kind of like what NFL teams did last year where the the backup or the third quarterback didn't practice or you know mingle with the team at all. And it's like, well, if you send Swayman to Providence and he's not around, if there's a breakout up here, which I guess that is the one thing. It, it, it insulates him from a potential breakout uh, on the big club, but I mean. Who's to say that there wouldn't be one in Providence again? Well, I guess maybe Providence already had theirs. So yeah, maybe there's immunity down there. That's the place to go hide.
0: <laughs> That's a very like April of 2020 take where it was like, well, what if teams just make sure all their guys get COVID right away? Yeah. So then they're immune later on. Um, not that we're endorsing that, but no. uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I will say I was at morning skate. Tuesday which is the first time I had seen Rask in person uh, since all this started and I mean what the hell do I know but he looked like he was moving well like I try and imagine what hip surgery would feel like and how I'd still probably be on the couch five months later and he looked like he like laterally and when he's doing stuff with his legs he looked like he was moving pretty well but I'm not a doctor as has been well documented. Um, so who knows it does seem like he's getting closer and closer if he's at least a participant in practices um yeah that I think that pretty much covers it uh it's still in a holding pattern with Jake DeBrusque they have no option but to play him um so they are only hoping that he plays well because that would be nothing but boost his stock with the way things are trending he he might get a freaking extension at this point because they've just been so shorthanded
2: well, is is there maybe part of them that says, "Go home."
0: To Jake Dubras.
2: Yeah, well, well, we're still working on it, but there's no point in risking. What happens if he gets COVID?
0: Yeah, I mean, if he gets COVID, I think that. And- I guess it depends how close
2: how close they are to trading him.
0: Right. And I hate to be so cavalier about COVID because it does impact people differently. Because it's, you know, we sit here and we're like, well, what happens if he gets COVID? It's like, well, that could be serious. Uh, But what happens if he gets injured is probably more so what I'd be worried about when you're, when now you have to play him like 16 minutes a night. Right.
2: But if they have a deal at the five yard line, though, it's like, I, I, you know, I wouldn't take any chance. At the same time, though, I wonder, too, how his market has been affected by what's going on across the league. Are you less likely to deal him to a Canadian team because of the process that, you know, players will have to go through coming and going? Or if you had something in the works with Nashville, does that kind of get changed around? I wonder if that's affecting it at all. Probably not because they just need the players more than anything, but it's. Well, so my guess would be that might impact trading for roster players more because, I mean, like, I'm assuming they're trading for, like,
0: yeah, exactly. But I'm saying, like, I don't think you all of a sudden, like, look at the uh, the Taylor Hall trade last year where, right. like, Buffalo sent the Bruins both Hall and Lazar and only got Bjork back. Like, I don't know if you're seeing a lot of things where there are an uneven number of roster players going back because you, if you have an NHL caliber player, you're probably hanging on to him as much as you can right now. Yeah. Uh, no, True. Yeah. So so they can't hold on to him forever because he's one of the few players outwardly available right now. And the closer you get to late February, the more you're going to start hearing names in the rumor mill. And then Jake DeBrus probably, and no offense to him probably becomes a little less appealing.
2: Christmas is coming up too. So he's not going to get traded at Christmas. Right. The roster freeze. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I don't know. I'm sure as we speak, he's probably getting traded to like Edmonton or something like that. Oh. But um, and if that's the case, then I don't know. Maybe we will re- Um All right. Any parting thoughts? No, no, no. All right. Let's get out of here then. Uh, I guess the quicker we get out of here, the more uh, evergreen or topical this will be because it'll probably all be irrelevant within like 24 hours. Uh, That's Lauren and Mike. I'm Logan. This has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. And until next time, we'll see you.